1: Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Martha Shedden, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Josh Strange to the podcast. Josh, a CFP, is founder and president of Good Life Financial Advisors of NOVA in Alexandria, Virginia, serving a niche market, working with active and retired government employees, contractors, and military personnel. He served in the US Air Force as an intelligence analyst and graduated from the University of Maryland Global Campus. Prior to founding Good Life Financial, Josh was a financial advisor at two major regional banks and was a member of the advisory council at both banks. So, Josh, welcome. I'm so happy to be talking with you today.
0: Well, thank you, Martha. It's great to be here.
1: Um, I was really pleased to see on your blog post that the number two on the list of the top five mistakes federal employees make with their finances addresses collecting social security at 62. Um, Do a significant percentage of your clients wait to claim until full retirement age or later, or are you still seeing that, that early collection?
0: Yeah. So that's a great question. And frankly, it depends on whether or not they come to us after they've made that decision and it's irreversible, or if they've started working together with us when we still have the ability to do some planning. So those clients that we have the opportunity to work with before they make the decision generally will defer at least until full retirement age and oftentimes until age 70. So they can capture all those delayed retirement credits.
1: That's wonderful because as government employees, they have some additional uh, financing that a lot of other people don't in retirement. With their, Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. So the federal government has two main retirement programs uh, depending on when the, the individual entered federal service. So there's the Civil Service Retirement System, CSRS, Uh, which was back really in the early 1980s. Uh, So people after, I believe it's 1984, are no longer eligible for that program. And then we have the new program, the Federal Employee Retirement System, uh, which really does uh, serve as that sort of three-legged stool uh, for classic retirees um, of a pension, Social Security, and of course, their investment program. Uh, in the federal government, uh, there's a sort of an equivalent to the 401k. Works very similar, called the Thrift Savings Plan, and that's a, a major component to a lot of our clients' uh, retirement plan.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, what do you find in that in that group of clientels? What do you find are the most common misunderstandings about Social Security? Have you noticed a change over the years? Are people paying more attention to this decision?
0: Yeah. So I I think people, our clients are certainly paying more attention to that decision. Um, And it's not so much a misunderstanding. It's not thinking through how everything works together in totality. So I'm sure you've talked to people that have clients and they say, well, I want to retire, but I'm not ready to take social security yet. Or I'm retiring And so I have to take Social Security. And so what we try to help people understand is that just because you've retired doesn't mean you have to turn on Social Security. Mm -hmm. And to to people, professionals like yourself and and, and me and the people in our industry, we intuitively understand this. But to people who don't deal with this every day, they're not necessarily um, thinking like that. They may not be familiar that, oh, I don't have to. Uh, take social security right away. There's a lot of things that we take for granted as knowledge-based professionals that people who don't work in our space, we assume that they would understand or think about, and they actually don't. And uh, I like to call that job security.
1: Yes, it is. And it's something I find explaining over and over again, that word retirement is not synonymous with quitting work and starting collecting retirement benefits. Because you can be working and collecting or not working and not collecting or both. So, yeah, it's um, definitely a lot of um, education that can be given there. Um, You have what's called an NGPS process that I looked at. But can you explain this for our listeners and what that stands for and how does the process work?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, So, you know, being prior military, we love TLAs, um, and TLAs are what we in the military affectionately call three-letter acronyms. So this is not a three-letter acronym, it's a four-letter acronym, but it really breaks down what can be an overwhelming topic into a simple way to think about things, right? And so when I think about retirement planning, or really any sort of planning, I think it comes down to Those four letters. First of all, where are we at now? Let's take a look at all of the resources. And those resources include the future social security benefits or the social security benefits that we're already drawing. Um, It includes investments. It includes any sort of pensions, insurance, estate planning, um, all of these important aspects of a client's financial life. So figure out where we're at now. And then where are we trying to go? What are our goals? And so everybody likes to talk about goals, but we want to help our clients understand what these SMART goals are. So coming up with what our goals are. And once we know where you're at and where you're trying to go, the problems, there's the P, uh, becomes very self-evident. So we can see, um, you know, maybe a client doesn't have enough guaranteed cash flow or enough cash flow coming in from pensions or social security. So how do we turn on investments? Uh, Maybe they don't have enough saved so that they would have to turn on social security earlier and we still have time to plan so we can increase their savings. Uh, So those are the S's, which are the strategies. And strategies are ways to mitigate the problems and pursue the goals. And like any journey, we wanna stop and periodically have checkpoints where we review where are we at now? What are our goals? What are the problems and what kind of strategies can we utilize to uh, overcome the problems or mitigate the problems and pursue the goals. And so that's what the NGPS is. And again, I like acronyms. It's something they beat into you in the Air Force and can't quite get out of my head. So
1: I can see the military background and that precision of thinking. Um, It's very helpful for clients, I would imagine, to have that very specific path that they're going to go down with you. Um, What do you see as the most common blind spots that people have when it comes to financing and planning for retirement and how are these usually best addressed?
0: Sure. Well, I don't know that there's a a lot of common blind spots. Um, You know, for our clients working in the federal government and in the contractor space, a lot of times uh, one of the biggest blind spots is they're holding too much cash. You know, they're they're in that sort of pre-retiree phase. Um, the kids are out of the house. College is maybe paid for. Um, you know, They're still a recipient of a low-interest mortgage that we've all enjoyed over the last few years, or they don't have a mortgage. And so the cash is just sort of uh, accumulating, and they're not sure what to do with it. And so in today's inflationary environment, that causes a major blind spot, in my view. Right. Uh, the other blind spot would be what we talked about earlier people assume that just because they retired, now they have to turn on social security or because they're now a Medicare recipient, they have to turn on social security. And we both know that that's not the case. So those are a couple of the major blind spots. And then the third one that I would point out is just this idea that social security is not going to be there. And so they better turn it on now or they're not going to get it. And then since we're on this uh, thing with fours, um, the other one I would say is people say, "Well, I, you know, I, I'm probably going to kick the bucket at 70, so I might as well just turn it on now." Um, to which I always reply, "You know, where did you get your crystal ball?" Because I'd like to find one, and we want to make sure that we're planning for longevity. So those are some of the blind spots that I see.
1: Good answer. I completely agree with that. Um, how does someone align their life values with their retirement plan? Um, and how do you go about connecting such a philosophical question with such a quantitative answer? It's not necessarily one or the other. It's such
0: Absol- a mixture. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like to help people think through uh, philosophically, what is this all for, right? Um, I'm a firm believer that money has no value outside of what it can do for you and the people and causes that you care about. Uh, once you die, the money doesn't do anything. And it can't really solve most of life's major problems. And I think if we've learned anything through the pandemic, it's been a mindset shift, certainly for me, uh, because no man is promised tomorrow. And so I want to help clients plan for tomorrow, but live in today. Mm -hmm. And so We want to make sure that we're taken care of in retirement, but at the same time, not sacrifice living in today out of fear about what that future might look like. So I pose three questions and I tell clients that when you work with me or you work with our firm, these are the three questions we want to help you answer. Will I make it? Uh What are my blind spots? And what is my it? And and that, I think, is a key question is what exactly is it I'm trying to do? What is important to me? What are my goals? So many of us are so busy on that hamster wheel of life that we don't have time to sit down and say, well, what is it I'm trying to do? Because we're running 100 miles an hour. And so that pre-retirement conversation of what do we want this to look like, I think is critically important so that people not only retire financially well but retire emotionally, mentally, and spiritually well. And I think it's our job as financial professionals to help people think through that at a major juncture in their life.
1: That's so true. And, you know, when we help our clients with their social security claiming, you hear this term about maximizing your benefits, which um, for many of the software that's out there that we use, that means maximizing their lifetime benefits, the most money, but, that's not the optimal decision for most people. You know, we could tell everyone just wait as long as you can, but that's not the optimal decision for um, a family. That might be true for a single person, but um, there's so much more to it than the financial aspect, as you you were just talking about, because people want to make sure that they are able to do the things that they've planned and the goals that they have. And um, that could be earlier in life. They may want to take their social security earlier.
0: So, yeah. it's But to that point, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but to that point, we also need to think about the total picture. and. Yeah. Maybe delaying retirement, delaying taking social security benefits rather, uh, makes sense, especially when we take into account survivor benefits and if that's going to be impactful. But that may be countered by the decision about a person's individual comfort level with seeing that what we call mailbox money come in every month, right? And so those paychecks that we're all used to, Seeing that come in, if that's not coming in, people might be very uncomfortable, even if they have assets to to support themselves. So it's a very personal decision. And I think that our job as financial professionals who serve in this capacity is really to help people think through the pros and cons of the different choices and not just to say, well, the software says this is the highest number. So that's the right thing for you.
1: Yeah, we show our clients many different alternative you know, claiming strategies and then they can choose. And the other thing that you, you mentioned, and I don't know if you consider this, but um, that income gap between when they quit getting that regular paycheck and when they hope to claim social security later, do you look at their, their retirement accounts that are going to have required minimum distributions later on? And- Calculate in that tax uh, that tax puzzle with a larger social security benefit that's taxable versus maybe using some of those RMD funds to bridge that gap and lower that balance in the future.
0: Absolutely. And this is where that NGPS comes into play. Uh, And anytime if you're, you know, in the woods and you are on a cliff and you're trying to get to the other side and there's a big ravine with a creek down it you know think indiana jones and you know there's this thing and you fall off you fall into the water well you can cross that if you build a bridge okay. and so you have to have resources to build a bridge so if people have a 401k or a thrift savings plan or um, an ira or non-qualified assets we're able to build that bridge so that other side being delaying social security, we can get there by using those assets to build the bridge. And I think that's increasingly important, especially with larger balances and low and and less tax diversified uh, clients where they have the bulk of their assets or all of their investment assets in that retirement account. It's very important because there's a lot of things to consider uh, once you get into those required minimum distribution years. So we look at how do we use those assets to bridge delaying social security, but also to control uh, required minimum distributions. But that takes some advanced planning. That's not something where you turn on at age 71 and a half and say, okay, I'm ready to plan for my RMDs now.
1: Right. Which, which brings up a question. What is your ideal age to start working with people? I mean, we should all be planning when we start working our 20s but um when is it maybe not too late to plan some of these strategies
0: yeah so in your 20s your financial life is pretty basic it's try to get an income uh that will pay you enough to buy food and you know a place to live in an apartment and then as you progress in life you start to add more and more blocks onto the financial sort of building that you're working on And really, I think age 50, uh, 50 to 55 is sort of when people can benefit from really talking to a financial advisor. And there's a lot of things that come into play that we can start to think through. I look at everybody's financial life in a three-stage life. One is accumulation. We all know about that. Make as much money as you can. Work, work, work. Second is distribution. That's where we get to that beautiful part of retirement. But in between is the key. And that's in that transition. So getting people to and through retirement has to uh, have that transition. And so that in between, we're still accumulating. We're not quite to distribution, but we need to start thinking about distribution. And that's where people benefit most from working with a financial advisor is in that starting in age 50 to 55 and then all the way through the rest of their life.
1: And there's that brings up another subject that I've read about, that there's a number of us baby boomers who have done our own finances for uh, that investing and savings phase. Um, and then there's studies showing that they would go to a financial planner who would help them with their social security, for one thing, and that You know, it's that need at that time to be sure that you're doing the right um, withdrawal strategies for retirement. So do Mm -hmm. you find do you um, let people know that you specifically address Social Security? Do you find that as a, a value add or what part does that play in your overall marketing for your your firm?
0: So, candidly, I'm not the best marketer. Um, so, I haven't really put that out there. But anytime a client comes in and we're sitting face to face and we're having that dialogue, um, it is absolutely a part of the process of saying, like, let's talk about Social Security and what are you thinking about Social Security? And then we're going to help you think through that decision um, if you haven't already made it. So, it's absolutely something that we we lead with, um, we just haven't put ourselves out there. Um, you know, with that's a focus. We think that that's a component and it's an important component. Um, and we have gotten a a fair amount of clients through referrals where, you know, saying, Hey, I'm getting ready to claim social security and I'm not sure what to do. You know, Pat said, you helped her. Can you help me? Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great referral topic. That's for sure. And then related to that, um, On your website, it talks about the advice that people get from the Social Security Administration and it's often contradicts itself. It depends on the representative you get. So how can people protect themselves or be on the lookout for that confusing advice? It's difficult, I find.
0: It's very difficult. And you would think that the people that are working in the Social Security office or on the 800 number you know, are, are really familiar with the ins and outs of the program. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's it's kind of luck of the draw of who you get. And you could call back three different times and get three different answers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's uh, how do you protect yourself? I mean, it sounds biased, but I always think that people should talk to a financial professional or do the research and really dive deep into Social Security and get your own answers.
1: Yeah. And I found that people that reach out to us. And when I was working with my own business uh, across the country, even they would find me and it was they had they knew they weren't or they had a sense that they weren't getting the right answer. And so they were determined, you know, they were they had to be very determined, though, to search out that extra help. uh, Absolutely. Shouldn't have to be that way.
0: Yeah. And I think um, a lot of people are working with advisors that don't have, and and we're seeing, uh, I think we're seeing a split in this industry. We're seeing our industry moving where it should be. And that is towards a culture of service and not of sales and answering the questions that matter. Like I may not get paid to answer your social security question directly, you know, and we're getting paid on managing assets or selling insurance or whatnot, but Clients are coming to us, and I believe we have an obligation to give them financial advice beyond just what they're asking, and to what is most important. And I think that the Social Security decision is one of the most important decisions that a client will make in their financial life. And it's confusing, and there are different, uh, you know, different aspects of the program that may work for or may work against their ultimate interests, and so we have to balance those out. Yeah.
1: Um, How does your company's investment stress test work and what can we learn from it, even if we have another other financial advisor?
0: So when we're looking at the investment stress test, you know, we all love to talk about how much we're making uh, on the upside. Everybody likes it when the market's going up. Right. 2020, you know, after April was a was a great year. 2021 was a great year. 2022 hasn't started off so strong. And um, so really stress testing, not only what happens if we have a stock market sell off, but what happens if interest rates spike and we see bonds sell off uh, the way that we have, how are these assets actually correlated? So if we have a diversified portfolio, are we truly diversified? Do we have things that are different? And that means, unfortunately, always having to say you're sorry, because if you have a diversified portfolio, in most cases, You're going to have things that are working and things that aren't working. And it's really tempting to say, well, I'm going to get out of these things that aren't working to move to what is working. But then when the cycle flips, those ideas that weren't working now, all of a sudden are the leaders. So our stress test, we look a lot at downside capture and what that is. And then ultimately, what's the liquidity strategy so that if you need money in a down market, where are we going to get it? So it's not just portfolio volatility stress, it's life and behavior stress. And so I think those are some key differentiators there.
1: Okay. Um, your website also says that it's true uh, that pre-retirees are focusing on their ideal retirement. And turning that into reality is, is tricky. So what can pre-retirees do both to keep their retirement a dream, but not think about it in an
0: unrealistic way. Right. Well, I think it's important to look at where you're actually at. And again, this comes back to that NGPS. it's unlikely that a zebra is going to change their stripes. So if somebody is a big spender pre-retiree, um, it's unlikely that they're going to stop being a big spender once they do retire. If they're very frugal pre-retirement, it's unlikely that they're going to just blow things out when they do retire. So I think it's very important to look at, well, what is my actual spending? You know, um, what is it that I enjoy? What would I do if I had more time? And then really talk through that. You know, people talk about travel. Well, what does travel actually mean to you? Are you staying at the Ritz? Are you staying in the youth hostel? Or is there some combination thereof? How much are you actually going to travel? um what are your charitable aims you know and really just having those conversations and making people or not making helping people think through what it is they actually want and the sooner you start with those conversations the the easier it is and more effectively you can plan for it
1: yeah i see the most difficult part uh, in that retirement planning of having people evaluate their expenses that's very hard for people but then once they have them And they're being conservative and they see them on paper. They see where they can adjust, I think. And that's a comfort to know to do that. It's just a difficult process.
0: Right. Absolutely. It's a difficult process because it's looking in the mirror and saying, wow, I really spent that much money here. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if somebody's spending fifteen hundred dollars a month going out to restaurants, they're probably not going to stop. They're not going to go down to five hundred but at least we can be aware of it and start to prioritize. So, you know, we talk about um, again, another acronym uh, we talk about the elf and then we have the elf plus C. And so when you think about expenses, you've got essentials, lifestyle, and fun. And then the C is people that are charitably inclined. So essentials, you can't really do anything about the light bill is what the light bill is. You yeah. Know? Or you could do something, but it's going to be really impactful. Like I don't want to live in a 85 degree house or a 65 degree house. Yeah. Like mid seventies. So those are things that you can't really change, but breaking down where uh, the priorities are and really looking at what that spending is.
1: Right. How much money do you think retirees should have in a savings account, just purely liquid um, as they prepare for retirement? And I guess that goes for everyone, but um, what do you suggest?
0: you know, typically looking at that three to six months expenses, plus any major purchases coming up over the next two years. But I, you know, I tend to focus more on what's a client's comfort level and then we can back it down from there. Okay. And And it depends on what the guaranteed income streams are for a lot of our government retirees. If you've got a husband and a wife who are both furs and they both, you know, put in significant amounts into social security, they could have north of six figures of income without too much of a stretch, without touching their assets. So if they had no money in savings... It would be okay. Their their next month is still going to have a paycheck coming in.
1: That's true. That's true. What would you say is the average demographic of of your clients? Are uh, mostly men, women, couples, younger, retirement
0: age? Sure. So we work mostly with um, 60 plus um, and, uh, most of our clients are married couples, you know, it, it just seems to be where we've kind of fallen. Most of them have kids and, uh, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, they're doing pretty well financially. So, you know, most of our clients have a million dollars or more of investable assets with us. And, um, you know, they've done the right things and now they need somebody to help them think through that transition and also distribution phase.
1: Yeah. That's a real puzzle. Do you work with folks who are not government or military?
0: Oh, absolutely. We work with a we work with a number of business owners. Um, we work with people who have inherited wealth. Um, so across the board, it, it's just that that's been an area where we um, we have a lot. We've had a lot of success in the marketplace, and you know, being in Northern Virginia, it's it's not hard to see why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we work across the spectrum. I think we we really work with people who have uh, the desire to have advice and are looking to empower somebody in a relationship of trust to help them reach their goals.
1: Great. Well, this has been really nice talking to you. Is there anything you'd like to add that I haven't touched on?
0: No, I think it's great that you're doing this, uh, this podcast. I think it's critically important that people think through social security and You know, the only other thing that I would add, you'd asked about other types of clients, um, are those business owners. And, you know, when you're a business owner, you have a lot of flexibility on what your Social Security payments are, what your Social Security taxes are. Some people say you want to try to minimize it as much as possible. Some people say you want to maximize it. But you really need to get into the weeds if you're a business owner, especially if you're in an S corp or an LLC with an S election, because when you get into looking at bend points, uh, you know not every dollar counts the same for Social Security. So hey. the more I learn about Social Security, the more I learn that it's a, a complex uh, complex program, and there's a lot of moving parts and each decision has a trade-off. So you need to weigh those trade-offs carefully, no matter what stage of life you're in or what industry you're in. But don't, don't make the decision on your own. There's a lot of people that will help you. And um, you know I think this is a great podcast. People that are listening, obviously have an interest. So it's good for them for being proactive and, and yeah. uh, seeking out education.
1: Well, and I w- will add on to that a little bit because that's one of our focuses um, is on self-employed business owners. And we have a calculator Satera, self-employed tax, uh, self-employed tax and retirement planning. And that takes into account, there's two sides to that self-employed, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes when you first start out and you're self-employed, you, you, you want to not pay those FICA taxes, but then on the other side, and that's going to really affect your eventual social security, but then on the other side, you have these high, income businessmen or women who are reaching their fifties and they have maxed it out. You know, they have 35 years and by continuing to have that income and pay those FICA taxes is not going to significantly change their social security benefit. So there's a real great way to analyze that and help, like you said, the business owners have um, some control over that. Um, so, I'm yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I just wanted to make sure if there's other people listening that are looking for financial professionals that they can reach out to you. And so how can our listeners get in touch with you? What's your email or website? What would you like to share?
0: Absolutely. So uh, our website is www.goodlife.com. FANova.com And my uh, email is, our, our firm's email is advice at goodlifefanova.com.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Josh, for being with us today. This has been really great.
0: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Martha.